welcome back to Sober Girl Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley, and today I have Roberto with me. Hello. Hey, how you doing? So we met through Instagram. I like to let people know how we met. Um, and I believe you were on Krista's podcast, correct? I was, yeah. Yeah. Krista Living Sober, if anyone wants to check it out, one of my close sober friends I met on Instagram. So let's just jump right into it. What was your drug of choice? It was marijuana, weed, and alcohol too. Getting crossfaded. Combining them both was what I was trying to chase and like get a, I guess, a superior type of feeling by having both of those in me. So when did that start for you? Did you start, was it like, you know, honestly, marijuana is such a popular thing for everybody to do. People use it for pain. People use it because their friends in high school are using it. What started that for you? My father, this will used to smoke all the time. And I'd catch him going around the corner, you know, from the house to just kind of like, you know, take a moment to himself. And I finally picked up on what he was doing. I'm like, oh, shit, this is weed. And like growing up in the 90s, you know, it's like, oh, man, smoking weed is cool. So me and my friends, like we would each, you know, pinch, like pinch our father's stacks, basically, and get a little bit that they wouldn't notice. And then after school, we combine our efforts and roll one up and it started in sixth grade, sixth grade behind Smart. the library at school, just rolling on. Yeah. Now, when you got that first high from smoking, what was that like for you? Do you remember that? Or was it, you know, sometimes we don't remember our childhood and that's totally fine, but do you remember what that was like? And did you keep chasing that? Well, initially I didn't get high. Like my friends would actually make fun of me. They're like, you're not hitting it right. And I'm like, okay, I guess so. And I kept trying for about, you know, two years, just trying to do the cool and pretend to smoke like I was high I pretend to be high to fit in which was weird so finally there was one time where I did catch like an actual high and it was you know pretty eye-opening like whoa this is like different it felt obviously like I felt elevated I felt different than I did and this was maybe like a year into it and I've been chasing that high ever since I realized that that's the feeling that I wanted the entire time I was continuing to smoke and drink and do a whole bunch of stuff and I mean, it was never the same as that first high. And just looking back, I just wish I would have never even done it. So I wouldn't even know what I was quote unquote missing. So how long did you kind of do that where you were taking a little bit of a stash and then doing that? Was it always with friends? Did you ever start like and do it solo because you were trying to reach that high again? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. At one point, then once, you know, you got a little bit older, like maybe eighth grade high school, like everybody had it it's just a matter of having money to buy it. And then it was, yeah, it's just nothing to do. Bored on a Friday, bored on a Saturday, might as well. And it's just kind of continued that way. And different people would come into the mix. Different people would want to smoke. And it just, it was a cool thing to do. Like, that's what everybody did back then. Like, let's go roll one up and just go blaze it. When did, when did you incorporate alcohol into that? Oh, that was uh, probably like fucking high school, maybe 17, 18. When somebody got a fake ID, like, let's just go and like, see what happens. And I remember the first time I actually cross, I guess, crossfaded like that. I drank first, you know, I was like, cool, whatever. I got a buzz. I'm like, let me go try to smoke. And I did. And, you know, my stomach got all weird. I felt, you know, like throwing up. It just, it, it didn't work, but I'm the type of personality that like, I'm not going to fail. Like I will be at the point where I'm both drunk and high and I won't be a superhuman. And it didn't work, but eventually like it just became more integrated into the life. You know, that was, that was the thing and just countless blackout moments, but. That's what it was. So now did at that time, did your dad ever 
like suspect what you were doing? Did he ever notice you were taking that? Did he start to realize that you were doing that on your own? Oh, hell no. This fool, he was so on his own shit that he didn't, he never like, he never suspected that I would pinch his sack because he was so fucking high himself. But what did happen afterwards, once he realized that I did smoke, you know, I was like 18, 19, like we started smoking together and I'm like, oh fuck. Like looking back on it now, I'm like, what an asshole this man to like really do that with me as a son, instead of promoting healthy habits and really trying to be somebody who's a positive influence, this motherfucker was like, hey, can you bring me some of that good weed that you guys have now? Because my dad's old and he was smoking that dirt. You know, he was just smoking some straight bammer. And you know, this is when everybody was cultivating indoor and the stuff was good. So that's who my father was. He's like, hey, how can I get high with you? And just, yeah, so eventually we did end up, I'm, in a weird, I don't want to say bonding over it, but we ended up spending a lot of time together around that. And it kind of sucked looking back because we weren't there. We weren't present where we should have been mentally to actually be able to learn a little bit from each other and kind of have a father-son relationship. But that's what it was. Yeah, that's, I know, that's sad. I know personally some people who, because like smoking weed is such a popular thing, especially now because it's legal in some places, it's legal where I live. So I know a lot of people that would rather just have their kids smoke at home so they know what they're doing and they're not trying to go out and get in trouble and things like that. So, and I mean, I have my own opinions on that, but it's, it's normally it's some people do abuse weed, but most people do just use it for medical purposes, anxiety. They can't go to sleep, pain, things like that. And it depends on how you take it. If you're, you know, searching a high, so you can't be present then that's addiction. That's a problem. So you need to kind of like do that. So now what was your life like growing up as a kid, like your family dynamic? And you said your father kind of didn't really do that in front of you until he knew you did it. So he kind of tried to hide that. So what was that like? Like, was he always kind of away trying to hide what he was doing or was he present with you? So my parents divorced when I was 13. And a big reason why was because my mom couldn't tolerate my father's like just his addiction, I guess, his his inability to really man the fuck up and do what he had to do. My dad had a whole bunch of dreams and aspirations that he would talk about for years, but he was so sedated within himself that he couldn't even make anything happen. Frustrated my mother, they divorced. So my mom was always against doing anything in that sense. Always against smoking, always against drinking. She never promoted any of that. So, I mean, growing up, my dad was kind of in and out. He was there. I mean, he's a good hearted dude. He really is, right? He's a good guy, but he has his own things that he was never aware of. Even to this day, I don't think he's really fully aware of how his mental has developed over the years. So he was there, but he wasn't, you know, he's just kind of physical. He was a physical presence more than anything else. He wasn't really an emotional support system. On the other hand, my mother, she was an amazing woman. She worked extremely hard. She put my brother and I through private education and she was really always there. And she was the one that was actually the guiding force behind me being determined and ambition in my life. If it wasn't for my mother being as disciplined as she was, I would have gone down the route of my father, just doing a whole bunch of debaucherous shit. So looking back on it now, it's kind of sad that they divorced, but it's also kind of good because I got to see what my father didn't do, which taught me what to do. I learned by watching his mistakes as opposed to him telling me, hey, do this and that. On the other hand, I observed my mother do the right things. And I'm like, okay, I want to be more like that. So I witnessed both of them from a different perspective. And I picked the good and the bad. And I just rolled with it. And 
so far I'm alive. So I think it worked. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's yeah. It seems like you kind of took those. So for me, it was like opposite. So my dad was like your mom and my mom is like your dad and still to this day, but my mom doesn't use any substances. So she's just emotionally, just not there, not nurturing, not not really even still to this day. And my dad passed away last year. So you think that she would like, you know, kind of like step it up or whatever, but she, you know, she didn't. And some people are just like that and they're stuck in their own way. I've seen people who are 50, 60, 70 years old, change their lives. And you have my mom who's 53, who can't get like, won't change. Never. She's never going to change. So it's, it's kind of, it gives me a little more appreciation for the people who are older like that, who are grandmothers, who are changing for their grandchildren so that yes. they can provide better, a better stability life for them and do things the correct way, which I think is really powerful. How long would you say you were in the addiction? Did anything happen during that time? Did you get in any kind of trouble? Was there any, you know, man, I have a problem. Like I need to, you know, I shouldn't be doing this anymore. Explain like kind of that roller coaster for me never anything like legal, like nothing ever caught up with me, a bunch of close calls, like too many to count. Like, you know, and I thought I was invincible. I'm like, fuck yeah. You know, like I would pride myself on the fact like, aha, I never got caught, but like, it was just way too many to really be aware of the fact that I was just making dumb choices, you know? And just along the way, just, you know, I was able to really like function in society, you know, I was able to make my way and do what I had to do. But during the times when like I was working, let's say nine to five jobs and doing what I had to do, like I was on point. But then afterwards, when it came to actually being me and me being in myself, my own reality and being aware of who I was, I wasn't ready for that. So I would use the drugs and the alcohol to escape. And it was never, I was never in a, in a point where I was an extremist in terms of doing things that were hurting myself or hurting other people. I was just tapping out. You know, I would just like sit on the couch and like watch TV, play video games, you know, like be disconnected from everything around me. And that's, that was the extent. There's nothing, there's nothing that was very extreme, nothing that was very like outrageous, but within me, I disconnected and that was painful to me. That was the pain that I was so unresourced personally that I couldn't even face myself. And, you know, for some people's pain, it's pain of physical, you know, extremities or whatever's going on in their lives but for me like that emotional pain like it's deep I feel shit on a deep level and disconnecting was it was tough it was tough for me I was always escaping I was waiting for that moment to disconnect escape and then I was continually chasing a hide it never came and it made me feel lower and it was just a cycle for years probably a good 20 years yeah I can I can relate not to the time frame but I can relate to trying to escape trying to just not be with yourself what do you think about yourself that you weren't trying to be with? Like, why was it so difficult for you to just be by yourself? I was just a straight pussy. Like, <laughs> I didn't want to look in the mirror. Yeah, I didn't want to look in the mirror and be like, hey, dude, you suck in this area. You suck in that area and you suck in that area. Like, you know, I would, I would smoke, I would drink to get hungry, to eat. So I look in the mirror, like I didn't have the, the body that I desire. You know, I had side boobs and a gut. I didn't feel good about myself and I was too much of a bitch to literally like step forward and do something positive about it. And I didn't want to face myself in the mirror. I had fear. I was fearful of not succeeding. I was fearful of actually like going in and wow, what if there's something like really deep down inside of me that like I won't be able to overcome. And I was just paralyzed by complete inaction. And that, that was it. It was on me hundred percent. I was just, like I said, just being a pussy. I didn't want to do it. 
when did you realize that I have a problem and I need to do something about it? Were there multiple times where you tried to get sober or was there just this one time? No, there was multiple times. Like I would always do things where like, oh, you know, it's just on the weekends, not before 12 or not on, not on Fridays, just on Saturdays. Or if I do everything like around the house, then I can do it. I was negotiating with myself the entire time. It wasn't until recently that I was like, man, no more. Fuck it. Just absolutely no. Like the answer is no all the way. No more negotiations, no more making excuses, no more placating myself. None of that. It was just a straight hard no. And I, oh my goodness, I negotiated with myself for years. I was like, I'm going to take a quote unquote break, you know? And like, I would be like, ah, nothing to do now. I'm bored. I don't want to face myself. Let's go to the store. Now the cannabis stores are open here in California. It's like, dude, let's go. They have these weird things that they're making now. It's fucking dope. And it was all about that. And, you know, it sucked. So what led you to decide wholeheartedly, I'm done. I need to get sober and I need to stay sober and I need to figure out what kind of tools I need for myself to do that. I had to be in control of myself. Like who's going to control me all the way through is going to be me. It's not going to be a substance. It's not going to be another person. It's not going to be anything other than me. As a human being, we all have self-control. We all have the ability to be in alignment and we're only in control of our action, our intentions and our will. So if I'm out here choosing to do things that aren't benefiting my best self, that's me looking in the mirror and saying, Roberto, you're being a bitch. Like, stop doing that. And I had to really get that mindset like solidified. And it was no more negotiations. Like, it's just none of that. I'm not going to make a certain occasion acceptable or I'm not going to make a certain situation, you know, be, be okay. It's just, it's a hard no. Like I am in full control and I feel better. I feel more aware. I feel more connected to myself knowing that I'm making positive choices, not letting other things dictate how it is that I'm going to live my life. You know, it's just because there's a social event going on or something like that. Like, I don't give a fuck. Like, it doesn't matter. The answer is no. Like, I'm in control. So when I wake up the next day, there's no hangover and I feel great. Right. There's not, none of this like, oh, my, my brain fog's there. Absolutely not. Like, I never want to wake up like that again. And I never will. So I'm never even going to begin to do anything that's going to put me out of alignment. I love feeling good. I love being in alignment. That's what it's all about. I'd rather feel good more often than have a little pleasurable experience for the moment and have it just kind of reverberate in a bad way throughout the day, the next day. Next thing you know, I'm shot out again and I'm back to old habits. Not no more. Yeah, that's really powerful because I think a lot of people think that they don't have it within themselves. And I did it. I the, What you're telling me is just, it's like coming full circle for me because I didn't want to do it any specific way. I was like, you know what? I'm in control. If I'm going to stay sober, the only person who's going to keep me sober is myself. No program is going to keep me sober. No sponsor is going to keep me sober. I can't even count on my hands how many people I know that have a sponsor and have relapsed multiple times, just multiple times because they're just not kind of digging in there and doing that. So I commend you for that. That's really powerful. And just your mindset. Like I'm, I really like the way you just think and the way that your mindset is with it. I think that's really powerful to have that just strong backing, just even on your own, like no program, no, whatever. Now, do you do other things as far as a program? Do you go to events? Have you like done any of that? Or have you just solely just kind of worked on yourself and kind of did it all on your own? I had to do it on my own. Like there was no other way. Like you said, like with the sponsors, right? Like 
A sponsor keeps their job because the person they're working with keeps having these issues re re recur. So it's like, ideally, there would be no sponsors because everybody would be healed and everybody would be good and they would take care of themselves. So I realized that I can't depend on anybody else in this world. My mother passed away about six years ago. And when she passed away, it was, it was devastating. She was my mother. You know, she was always there for me. And like, I had nowhere to go, like emotionally, like no matter how much I would fuck up, mom would always be there to at least listen. You know what I mean? She would always love me. She'd always take care of me in that sense. It was good. But when she was gone, I'm like, fuck, there's nobody. I tried it with, you know, uh, women, I tried it with family, with friends, and it's just, I couldn't have that same connection. Like, I was like, dude, I have to do it for me. Like, it has to be me. Because if I'm well-resourced, then I can be the one that dictates how my life is going to be, how my day is going to go. If I depend on other people, somebody else, for whatever reason, is no longer with us, like my mother, then it's like, shit, now what? So I really had to be the one to really solidify my own belief in myself. Like I have to be my biggest cheerleader. I have to be my biggest supporter. I have to be my biggest advocate. And it's something where every day I reaffirm that by just having healthy habits that have completely overridden my bad habits. Before staying up late at night was the shit. Like let's stay up late and do what we gotta do. Now the new flex is waking up early and getting after personal development. Right. And this keeps me like in a state of like, I'm not going to do anything at night, obviously, because I have to wake up. But I really believe that once we wake up, no matter what time of the day it is, no matter what shift you have, as soon as we wake up, we really need to take a time and focus on ourselves. We need to be in a state where the first thing we do in our day is fill our cup up with abundance in terms of healthy perspectives on life, taking care of our bodies, eating correctly. If we do this for the first two hours of our day, then the rest of the day is just nothing but positivity, high energy, and high vibe. Like how often do we wake up and go to work for somebody else to do other people's tasks? If we do it more, like more often than not, that's what people, that's how people live their lives. But how often do people wake up early to pursue personal development? It's rare. So I'm the type of individual that I'm going to wake up at an ungodly hour, go to the gym, feel good about myself, have a positive mindset. Therefore, the rest of the day is going to be positive. And that's just how it is now. So that I basically cured my own addiction, my own situation by focusing on me, taking care of me every single day on a rotational basis every single day. And here we are. Yeah, it's that's powerful because that's really important, especially in the season of us being sober and having to feel our stuff. Like what you said about your mom, like no matter what happens, that's still going to be there. If you decide, you know what, I can't deal with this. I'm going to go use when you wake up, you're going to feel like crap. And that's still going to be there. It's not going to go away. And you're not going to be going through it and healing yourself because you're too busy avoiding yourself. So I agree with that. When my dad passed away, I was sober. So it was a very different experience for me. I never really, I would say grieved anyone while I was using. So I didn't really have anything to compare it to but I didn't think about alcohol. I didn't, that was my addiction. I didn't think about alcohol. I didn't, there was nothing about me that was like, I can't handle this. I have to go use because I did the right steps when I started my recovery. So when I started my recovery, I did the right steps to know how to work through my stuff. I personally see a therapist. So she obviously helped me, but I think it's important to sit in yourself and be grateful and like you said, work out, put the right things in your body. Like that's going to make a difference. If you're sitting there eating like crap, you're going to continue to sit there, eat like crap, loathe, and that could lead you down a bad path. You don't know. So what is your sobriety date? 
officially like i was tracking back right out like the day that i'm like man fuck this shit no more it was the 23rd of this year like 2 23 22 and this is like when i decided like basically like all right stop with the bullshit like i i caught myself in a state where even last year i'm like all right i'm not gonna drink like i used to which i did i did a pretty good job of not getting like drunk you know what i mean like and not getting hammered and blacked out it's been a couple years since that's happened but i would still like go out and i'll have a beer for dinner you know yeah. and i'll have a you know whatever i'll have a it's something small but I, I wasn't i haven't been getting drunk for a long time like i used to but i was still having those little tiny moments where i'm like ah, oh, one is not gonna hurt me i was having that negotiation going on in my head and it came to the point where I'm like, you know, I'm just, no, like the answer is I don't need this. Like water's good enough. I don't need it. I don't want to do it anymore. Like I want to be in control. So I don't look at it personally as like a sober date. I look at it more as like, this is the control date. This is the day when like, I'm like, ah, I gained full control again. And now I'm just choosing no, like I don't need this to nourish me in any way possible. I love that. I, I love that so much. I think there's so much pressure especially like I got a lot of pressure from my family personally to, you know, do AA. If she's not doing AA, she's not, you know, being sober. And I got to a point where I just didn't care because it wasn't for me. It made me feel worse, not better, to be honest. And that was hard for me. I was like, okay, well, you know what, I'm doing this on my own and I'm doing, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And I did a ton of personal development and like you, I hated being by myself. So I always drank to be social, to be outside of myself. And when I got sober, I knew I had to be by myself to fix myself because I knew there was something wrong with me. There's something wrong with me. But this is how I was coping with my life. And to realize that it's powerful and no AA program is going to help you with that. No program is going to help you with that. You have to help you with that. So I just, I love the way your mindset is. I've honestly never talked to somebody with this mindset before. And I, I love it. I love how self-driven you are and how it's like almost not a label. I've recently been having some issues with like labeling mm -hmm. and it's not a label. It's just, you know what, this is just, this is my control date. This is when I took my control back. This is like, because that's what happens. That's what you did. So I think that's really powerful. And I just think your mindset is powerful. California, I know has a humongous recovery community. Um, I'm part of the sober app. So I know so many people out there and it's like, crazy powerful do you immerse yourself in any kind of community or anything like that or do you kind of just do it on your own and that's kind of how you're doing it I know it's not really been that long since you got sober so there's like it took me a long time to realize that community was really important so do you do anything like that do you do anything for the community or do you like on your social platforms do you do anything so like nothing with a community setting in terms of like a group but I do help people like one-on-one -on -one. like I'm a coach I've been through it. So I know what it takes to kind of get yourself out of it. So I help people one on one, the community setting, hopefully in the future, I can be in front of a stage talking to more people at one time, right, just reducing the amount of time that I spend like everywhere. So, but right now, it's just one on one, I work with people one on one to help them become the best version of themselves. And not everybody has an addiction to, you know, a drug or alcohol, addiction could be various things. One of the biggest addictions out there that we have here in America is fucking food. Yeah. People are addicted to food the same way I was escaping with marijuana and 
with alcohol, people escape with food. That's one of the biggest things out there. You can see it on people when they walk down the street. Maybe you can't tell if somebody's high when you're walking down the street, but you can tell when somebody's addicted to food. And it's painful. It's painful because we must look at ourselves in the mirror every single day. And I used to have this pain. I would look in the mirror and I wasn't happy with myself. That would cause me to run away and escape. And I would run away into the vices, into that mindset of like, oh, just fuck it. I'm already here. So just let me eat some more. Let me smoke some more. Let me drink some more. And it was the worst. I was just compounding. So my efforts now are more individualized to help people just realize that they do have the potential, that they are empowered, that they're resourced within. You know, we're all the same. We're all the same male, female, doesn't matter. The only differentiating thing that we have between us are our habits. So it's like, shit, what type of habits do you have? And if you have bad habits, let's just replace them with good habits. It's a simple thing, right? People who are addicts are the most powerful in the world because their commitment is strong. You ever seen an addict or somebody out there want, want to get their shit? They're going to go get their shit. So imagine if you apply that mentality to something positive, like, holy shit, like you can actually go out there and make some, make a difference for yourself and other people. So right now it's just one-on-one -on -one with people. I mean, I do have a platform, like I post YouTube videos and I'm basically the same way I'm talking to you. I'm sending the message out there to other people, but right now it's just one-on-one -on -one working with people to help them change their mindset, to be able to just be the best versions of themselves. I just love it. I like your mindset so much. I just think it's so powerful. I think that's a lot of people don't realize what you've realized until much further down the road, like much, much further. And do they think to themselves, oh man, I didn't need to do this program. No, they don't think that, but they get the word I'm looking for. They get surprised when they realize that they had the control the whole time. Oh, like, that's I the, that's control. like I go to parties, my husband's sober too. We go to parties and all of our friends drink and we don't drink. Like we have the control to not drink. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So it's like, and that's how you can kind of put it into a circle situation because it's like, okay, well, if we have the control not to do that. Well, like everybody has the control to do that. It's, there's no way the two of us are the same. There's no possibility that that is possible. So it's interesting to see and to know like, okay, we have, we have this power and we can go here. We can go to an event where there's alcohol. Do we decide if like, it's getting to be too much. If people are getting crazy, do we leave? 100%. Yes, we will leave, but, and it's a great environment. And I can tell you that when people around us, especially around my husband, because my husband didn't outwardly have a problem. Like the people in my life knew I had a problem. The people in my husband's life had no, his parents had no idea. His friends, some of his close friends had an idea, but like everyone else was shocked when he was like, um, sober and it's powerful because he has his friends come up to him and be like, Oh bro, I just want to tell you, like, yeah, I stopped drinking in January. It just wasn't serving me kind of just like oh, you yeah. wasn't serving me. And it's just like, and I'm shocked by those experiences and how they come to him and they're so comfortable and not talk about it. Like they're not going to come on here. They're not going to be in the recovery community. It's, it's not like what happened with me, but with him and his friends, it's just, you know, basically that's how it is. So it's, it's just very interesting to see. Now tell people where they can find you on your YouTube channel. If you do want people to come follow you on Instagram. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I post on IG daily. I share my life. I share what my habits are. I share what it is that 
makes me feel good, how I keep my vibe high and how I just show up every single day. Like I don't take days off for my best self. It's what it is. Like every day that ends in Y is an opportunity to be the best version of you just because it's the weekend, man. Fuck that shit. When everybody's doing less, I'm doing more. It's just the mindset. It's the mentality and that's the way it should be. So everything's at Dream Evolve Thrive. Check out the website too, www.dreamevolvethrive. YouTube channel's the same way, Dream Evolve Thrive. And I'm just, I'm, I'm here to help people. Like, this is what it is. I helped myself. I found what works for me. I feel fucking great. I feel amazing. And I'm going to share it with other people. So hopefully they can find a way to feel great within themselves. We're on this soul journey, everybody. We're all here trying to be the best versions of ourselves. And some people need inspiration. Some people need guidance. Some people need a swift kick in the ass to help them get going. And that's what it is that I do.